let's let's begin with the prayer. God, thank you so much for this time to be together. I thank you for uh, the, the chance to open up your word, God, to hear your voice, to hear your words in our hearts that would resonate, that would inspire us, that would convict us, that would motivate us, that would move us closer and closer to you, God, and also closer and closer to others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm closing out a series today on, on relationships and religion. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it's enlightened you. We will dip back into that uh, as we keep going forward. It's always a great uh, topic to bring out for disciples, for Christians to know what it means to have a relationship with God versus being a, in, in religion. We don't want religion. We want relationship. And so uh, we're going to be phasing that into a into a, a, a healthy spirituality. Karen and I are just reading over material right now on what it means to have a healthy spirituality. And a lot of it is attached to our emotions, you know, maturing emotionally. Something I'm, I'm working on, even though I've been a Christian 28 years, I'm working on my emotional health. And that has helped me become more and more closer to God and more and more closer to more people, each other, you, the church. Um, if you've got a voice for me this week, I try to encourage people during the week by leaving encouraging messages on their on their little phone. If you have an iPhone, I, I'll leave you one on your text. If you have an Android, I can't do that. I'm sorry, but I will call you. I will call you. Uh, well, there's a lot of voices in our world right now. When you turn on the, 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 the news or you go online, you see a lot of voices of war, voices of stop, stop this carnage. Helplessness and hopelessness, people dying children dying, women and men fleeing the country, men staying back to defend their land. There's also voices of mental health, voices that we hear a lot, stay in touch with your mental health. It's not a taboo, it's not, there's nothing wrong with taking care of your mental state, it's important. There's a lot going on. We, we absorb a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. And so that's very important. You stabilize your mental health. You get proper help. Our, our own voices sometimes can, get, can drown out the voice of God. Where we think and what we respond to is us. And so the voice of God becomes more like a whisper. It's dim and it kind of just slowly, slowly goes away. Turn with me in Hebrews chapter 2. This is what happens when we stop hearing the voice of God. Something can happen to all of us. And all of us have ex has experienced this to some degree or another. We've experienced this. Hebrews 2. Everyone has experienced this. Every one of us. The Jewish disciples here became Christians. They were Jewish. It's phenomenal. But they kind of got away from relationship with God and Jesus. And they started to go back to religion, the Old Testament law. And the writer here is addressing that. When you take your eyes off Jesus, you start to drift. And in verse 2, sorry, verse 1 of chapter 2, I'm in the NIV. <clears throat> we must pay careful, the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. 
so that we do not drift away. If you ever gone to the beach as a little kid or even an adult and you, get out to, you went out to the ocean and you stepped seven or eight feet into the ocean, you hung out there for an hour, you know what it means to drift. Because when you look up, you can't find your friends or your family. When I was a boy, I went in there for an hour and I looked up and I didn't know where my parents were because I was about three or four lighthouses down, uh, lifeguard houses down. Now, tragically, my parents never came to look for me. <laughs> so I had to figure out, I know they're in that, I had to go to shore and run that way. And there they were. And there I was lost and afraid. This, this gospel that was given to us was given to us by the Lord Jesus himself and confirmed by those who heard it in verse three. It's been testified by signs and wonders and various miracles. That's important because the Bible wasn't written then. It was just Jesus's words. Well, how do we know you're from God? He would do a miracle and people would go, oh, this is definitely from God. And it says to pay, pay the most careful attention to what you've heard. If you're a disciple this morning, pay careful attention to what the gospel of salvation means. It's, it's your faith in Jesus. It's the most important relationship you will ever have. This message was spoken through by angels. A little insight in the Old Testament. When God came on Mount Sinai to give Moses the, the law, it says that the angels were there, which is kind of cool. You know, many people, and please, if you're online, if you're sick, if you're at home, if you're not well, if you're, you don't have transportation, I, I'm not really talking to you. But I am talking to some people that we, we go online and we have a hard time finding our way to church because we, we prefer to be online. But, but you don't have a problem finding a way to Target. <laughs> you don't have a problem finding your way eating out for dinner. You don't have a problem finding your way to holiday dinners or a concert or a sporting match. When it comes to church, somehow it's online becomes more comfortable. I'm talking to those, right? So hear me. Shoreline Church, hear me. This is the word of God. This is not my personal opinion. And when I'm picking up from, from people that I talk to, interact with, it's not that going back to church is scared. It's actually a lack of awareness. A lack of awareness of why we fellowship. The lack of awareness of why we come together. Now, I'm glad you're here for the barbecue. Because that's going to be some good food. But it's religion versus relationship. Religion, we come at an obligation. Like... I have to be there, not because I wanted to be there. I have to be there because I might lose my salvation. So I have to go. I have to go. And religion embraces this inward uh, mentality. It's inward focused. And relationship is an outward focus. It's a pouring of yourself. In Romans 5, you can read it later. But it, when you pour yourself out for God and people and ministry and helping others, the Holy Spirit fills you up you pour yourself out and you get filled up that's an awesome feeling yeah you're tired you're exhausted of course because you're doing physical things but 
Spiritually, you're going like, ah, I'm filled up today. I did some good. I made some phone calls and encouragement. You know, the inward mentality is defined as a, I just, I lack interest. I lack concern. I lack sympathy. Or it's not as important. They don't hate in-person church. There's just no strong surge of emotion to come. Like, I'm going to go see, go see people I like. Love. Excitement. It's just no longer important. I'll just go online as I'm driving down the road. I blame you if you do that once in a while. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking that, that that's your comfort zone. You prefer that more than being here, being present. We are outdoors. You are the church. We have no building. You are the church. Amen. You are the church. It's yeah. awesome. Sacred space. Amen. And I always say you always sin less here than out there, right? Yep. You know, I'm learning to grow in the area of communicating what I am going through with my wife. There are times in my life where I'm having a hard day. I'm sad. I'm having just a terrible morning. I'm not, I don't feel well. I'm irritable. I'm tired. I'm, I'm hurting about just things I think about. I just feel icky. Yeah. But I say nothing to Karen. Right. I tell her absolutely zero. And then I expect her to be completely sensitive. And she has no idea what I'm feeling. And then she says something totally rude. At least in my mind. Totally insensitive. Totally rude. And then I get mad at her. Like, you're so insensitive. How could you say that to me? Sisters, can you can you relate to that? I don't think I've ever said that in a sermon. Sisters, can you relate? To that? Yeah, yeah. The brothers can. Brothers, can you relate to that? Because I am in the habit, I will stuff things so deep and I will lock it away. But the lock comes, the lock gets broken eventually and it comes out. So what I'm working on is telling Karen how I'm doing and try to feel the moment. I, I used to think it's kind of embarrassing to do that, to be honest. It's kind of embarrassing to go to feel the moment. I feel weak. Yeah. Like I feel weak spiritually. To tell your wife that? I would never dare say that in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> But just to feel, like you feel weak, you feel lethargic, you don't feel like your best spiritually. I'd always think that was kind of like, oh, who is, you can't say that to people or your, especially your wife. You're the leader of the house. And I'm learning that that is actually a very spiritual quality. Ever since I've been trying to do that, man, it's been awesome. Karen's been really sensitive. I've told, I've told her, okay, I'm having a rough day. I came home the other day, uh, a friend that I play soccer with uh, took her life, 22 years old, Katie Myers, goalkeeper for Stanford University. And I wanted to stuff that because I see Katie when she comes down off season, we play soccer together. And I wanted to stuff that. And I wanted not to feel that. Because that is, that's something I don't want to feel. And I reached out to her soccer coaches. 
I played soccer with them too. And they were really feeling it. They knew her way much better than I knew Katie. And they were feeling it. But first I had to feel it for, I had to, I had to be in the moment. So I took care of what I was feeling. And let that feel, let the tears come, let <clears throat> yourself feel it. And I did that for about a day, just, just off and on, just feeling it, just feeling sad, not knowing exactly how I was doing, but trying to stay in the moment. And then I was able to give to her soccer coaches. And I sat down with them and it was able to ask, how, how are you feeling? How are you doing? And it was a great conversation. Then I played in a soccer game the next day with more coaches, just kind of processing the tragedy. And what I learned is this. Be real, even with those you know very well. Sometimes we, the people we know very well, we tend to hide a little bit of it because we know them well. We don't want to disappoint them. Reveal yourself. I'm not saying to everyone, but there, everyone should have a few key people where you can reveal yourself to them. And it was, it was a lesson I got. That's a, that's a lesson there. I got to reveal. We got to keep talking about this. We have to keep talking about this. In Hebrews chapter 10, if you'll look there with me, when we, when we don't reveal ourselves, we tend to drift from each other. We tend to, time gets, gets in our way or life gets in our way. We're, we're busy. We're doing things. Let us consider in verse 24, let us consider, let us give it some thoughts. How can I spur you, spur one another to be loving and good deeds? You can't do that if you're not meeting together. That's what he's, he's connecting the dots. You can't do that if you're not in the habit of meeting together. If you're in the habit of not meeting together, you're not going to be thinking about other people because you've gone inward. The inward mentality has taken over. I want you to think about your relationship for a moment. How can I encourage my spouse? Husbands, how can you encourage your wife? Take some thought. When I don't think about that, Karen doesn't get flowers. <laughs> when I think about that, Karen gets flowers. How can I encourage my children? My kids, that's easy, candy, right? <laughs> How do you encourage your adult children? Candy doesn't work as much. <laughs> How do I encourage them when they're adults and they want you to recognize their adulthood? How do you encourage them? I, I decided that I live with two adults. I live with adults in my house. I have to change my mentality. If I think I live with my kids in my house, I, my, my disposition changes. Oh, they're my kids. I'm the dad. I know. I rule. It's my house. I pay the bills. Versus I live with an adult over here. I got a, that's an adult friend now. And if I don't make that transition, it'll hurt them, right? How can I encourage my, my spouse, my kids, my adult children. How can I be a good listener? 
A good listener is not a person who's always trying to relate to the story. Like when you hear something sad, oh, that reminds me of my life when I was. And people are like, whoa, I just wanted to share. It's not a great a good listening skill to always try to relate. It's a better skill to go, tell me more about that. Tell me more, be more curious versus trying to relate. You can relate later, but right now, listen. Because when you listen, you're gonna know a lot more and you're gonna be able to have an opportunity to be sympathetic, kind and caring. It's an awesome thing. People know when you're a good listener. I had to take classes to be a good listener, to be honest, <laughs> six months worth. I went to class. Amen. They put me in little groups. I was forced to listen. Yeah. And that, every time I tried it, yep, stop, no, stop, stop relating. But listen, ask a question. Uh, six months of training. All right. I'm not saying I'm good at it. I'm just saying I'm always in training. <laughs> Did you graduate? I can't. I'm going to do it. Uh, pause. Doing better. Um, drifting looks like this a little bit. You no longer see value in fellowship. You've lost the awareness. God's voice is dim. It's faint. It's maybe even a whisper now. You shrug it. Shrug it off and it's, hey, it is what it is. There's not a strong emotion. And you become indifferent. There's this church in Ephesus. If you look with me in Revelation chapter 2. Verse four, sorry to take you around the Bible, but it's kind of the same thing in the Bible. There's this, there's this church in Ephesus that Jesus tells them a couple things. And I think it relates to us a little bit. In verse four of chapter two, it says, you've persevered through COVID. He doesn't say that, but I added the COVID. <laughs> you've endured hardship through COVID. You've not grown weary. People, have, I, they're, they're, they're solid people. They, they persevere. They've endured hardship. They've not grown weary. But Jesus gets, gets to their heart and says, look, on the outward, you've been here. You showed up. You did your, you did your duty. But you've forsaken your love that you had at first. That moment where you fell in love with God. You lost that, he tells the church. Have you lost that moment where you fell in love with God, where God was so amazing? Have you lost that loving feeling? That's what he's telling the church. You're doing great. You're showing up. You're persevering. But there's something deeper going on. You've lost your love that you had at first. And that's where we got to get back to is that love we had at first, because that's the love that's about relationship. The antidote or the fix to drifting is this. If you want to stop drifting, you need passion again. You have to find your passion for God again. And that's what his ad admonition to the church in Ephesus is. You've lost your passion the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. It cannot. No man, no woman can stand alone. 
Jesus was not alone. He would go up alone to pray, but he'd come back to his guys. He'd take his three men to go to Gethsemane, and he'd cry in front of them. He was overwhelmed with sorrow, crying. Jesus crying in front of his guys. I thought, man, I'm so not there. He was in touch. Sometimes we think that we're better than the body. There's no one here who can help me spiritually. Sometimes we think that. Or sometimes we can think, well, I'm the more valuable part of the body. I, without your hands, you know, can't do very much. I'm the hand. I'm not the feet. Those are the, you know, those are the, those are the guys who work really hard, but I'm skillful, right? We can be the hand. You know, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, ancient Near East, in the Middle East, there's a lot of sheep. And Jesus calls us the sheep, and he calls himself the shepherd. Listening to a podcast this week, Abema, I recommend that. It's a great podcast. The shepherds of Israel would lead their sheep by their voice. They had a staff, but that staff was not used for prodding or cajoling. It was only used to protect themselves as a walking stick or to, or to ward off an animal. They did not use the stick to lead. They only used their voice. You could take two different flocks from two different shepherds and put them in the same pin. And that one shepherd with one command would walk to the pin and his sheep would come out. And only his sheep would come out. Sometimes tragedy would strike. And if the shepherd had not raised up somebody to take over and he, and he tragically dies with the sheep, they lost the flock because the sheep won't listen to another shepherd's voice. They won't recognize the voice. Sometimes the shepherd without thinking would cross a ravine and his sheep would fall over the ravine and die because they're following the shepherd to a fault. And when you read John 10, when you read the words of Jesus, my sheep know my voice. Do you hear the words of Jesus? Mm. Do you still hear his voice this morning? He's calling his sheep and he says, they know my voice. And that is true. Turn back, turn back with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter three. And we'll close out. In verse 15. Of Hebrews 3. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. God is calling you. He's calling you to something greater. Do you hear his voice? You know, if you're in a relationship with someone and God is not the most important, if he's not above it, your relationship will struggle. Your relationship will slowly creep apart. It'll drift apart if God is not the most important part of that relationship. You'll drift. That's where that's where relationships always go. 
It's God who holds things together. It's God who holds everything together. So I just want to remind us in your marriage, even though you might be 20 years in, you're a veteran. That's great. Your relationship is still drifting. Even if you just started dating, your relationship's already drifted. Even if you just got married, your relationship's already starting to drift. That's the propensity of relationships. But God holds them together. Because God is the most important relationship. It'll recenter your marriage, your dating. It'll recenter everything. Yeah. Been married 22 years. Not all glorious. <laughs> Some rough chapters there. But I can always attach the rough chapters to drifting from God. If I, if I were to graph it, I drifted. I drifted. If you were to graph yours, you can see the drift. Yeah. In verse 12, this is the admonition that the Hebrew writer gives the entire church. Look what he says to the church. See to it, in verse 12, brothers and sisters, song about that, love that song, that none of you, so it's your responsibility, just brothers and sisters, make sure that no one has a sinful, unbelieving heart. That turns away from the living God. So he says make sure. And you can only make sure. If you're here. If you're involved. Yeah. If you're connected. Otherwise how do you know? Yeah. How do you know? He says see to it. Then he says this. What do you do? Encourage. Each other daily. Encourage each other. At the voicemail for this brother, he's going through, he's having a hard day. I didn't know. I said, bro, I said, encourage him. So you're amazing dad. I love you, bro. I was thinking about you. I was thinking about this. And I said something encouraging. And he texted me right back, bro, I needed this at this moment. I was having a tough day. And I'm like, God, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. The timing of God. I didn't know he was having a rough day. I just wanted to encourage him. I don't know why I wanted to encourage him. He just popped in my head. I encourage him. That's what I did. The community sees to it. Us. The family of God sees to it. If you're waiting for me to tell you, the Bible just told you. Don't wait for me to go, hey, bro, can you go and encourage this brother? Hey, bro, can you? Sometimes I'll do that. But right now, God is telling you. His voice is telling you. Go encourage each other daily. Here's a couple questions as we close out. A question and some practice. Ask yourself this question. Do I value fellowship? If not, why not? What's blocking you from fellowship? What's blocking you? The second thing is, find out what is blocking you, then unblock it. Figure out how to unblock that. Unblock the path to fellowship. And thirdly, it's what I like, just being in each other, being in your in someone else's presence. We don't even necessarily have to get all deep. It can just be in your presence. Like, let's just go do something together. Not every time you get together it has to be like, how are you doing? 
It could just be in, I mean, there's, there's times to reveal yourself, yes, but there's also times just to be in your presence, just to enjoy a pre the presence of you as we're doing something together. Going on a walk, going on a hike, getting some coffee, going to the beach, going to watch a movie. There's so many opportunities just to be in each other's presence because we value relationships. God values them. So if you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time in your word just to minister to us, to challenge us, to call us, to help us to grow. Help us to be your people. Thank you for the food that we're going to eat, God. We're excited about that. Thank you for Karen and the campus sisters and the brothers there to help us out setting it all up. And we just pray, God, that we'll enjoy each other's presence, but also remember to encourage each other daily. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.